a gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Let's get moving with Maria. Inspiration to spend a few minutes each day to get moving on the small things that can make a big difference in your life. Thank you for joining us for Let's Get Moving. Today we are going to talk about the science behind the gluten-free diet. And with me from the USU Extension are assistant professors Cindy Jenkins and Eva Timothy. And thanks so much for both of you for being here today. Hey, it's good to be here. Thank you for having us. So let's begin. Cindy, I'll begin with you on this one. Okay. So why the popularity now with the gluten-free diet? Oh, that is such a great question. And um, it seems to come back to this idea that when you eat normal carbs from a wheat diet, that that's bad. And so if you're not norm- eating normal wheat carbs, then then that's good, <laughs> which in fact is a myth because when you're eating a gluten-free diet, even if you're eating gluten-free bread or anything else that is just a gluten-free baked good item, it still has carbs. They're still normal carbs and uh, it's really not healthier for you. But I think because there is this appearance of, oh, it's different from what I would normally eat, so it must be healthy. People think that it's better for you when in reality, it's pretty much the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe Eva, maybe you could just define for us, what is a gluten-free diet? Let's just get down to the nitty gritty. Yeah. So a gluten-free diet is is leaving out that gluten substance, that wheat. So you want to eliminate that from the diet, which it can be in so many things, not just our foods, but also cosmetics and and self-care items like our lotions and conditioners and such. So we have to really be careful about that that gluten content in our foods. And so that gluten, um, generally it's related to celiac disease or non-celiac gluten sensitivity. So for those people they have to take out all gluten-containing items from their diet, anything containing wheat. So for the rest of us who don't have celiac disease or don't have the allergy, is it healthier for us then, Cindy? Not necessarily, Uh, and especially because, like we were saying before, if you're eating a food item, right, that that is not uh, a wheat-based item, it doesn't suddenly make it healthy for you. And especially because when you're eating something that was made from wheat flour, normally, generally, it's it's had some some things added to it, like vitamins, minerals. Uh, with our normal flours, that's just kind of a common practice nowadays. However, with the gluten-free flours, that's not a common practice. So you may actually be missing out on some of these normal vitamin and minerals that you would be getting because you're not eating a food substance that has had vitamins and minerals 
added to it. So it, especially if you don't need to eat gluten-free, but you are because you're just assuming that it's healthier for you, you may be eating a less healthy diet for you, actually. It's really only a good idea if you really need to eat gluten-free because of a celiac disease or some kind of allergy Something like that. Yeah. That being said, Eva, I, I've gone to some of these gluten-free, I, I don't want to call them festivals, but um, <laughs> what do, what's the word for it? Um, where they put out all of their products. And I've been amazed at how many people are there. And I'm pretty certain all those people don't have some sort of gluten allergy. Right, right. Yeah. So again, back to that popularity of of this diet and the misconception that it is healthier. As Cindy mentioned, the the fortified foods that's lacking in in the gluten free flours and and foods. And also, we to make up for that lack of wheat and the way that that taste and texture adds to what you're eating. There's a lot of extra fat and sugar and sodium. So it it actually won't really help with weight gain. It's not great in that way. But yes, it is such a popular thing now. And there are a lot of misconceptions. So that's why we have these conversations and are getting into more research on how do we help people make this transition and enjoy what they're eating and educate them on the pros and cons. I think the transition is so important because you really can't eat things that taste or have the same texture as you used to eat. You you almost have to find new ways to eat. No, that's exactly true. And I know, uh, especially for me, when I first started going gluten-free, I, I was kind of upset about the whole ordeal. So I just, I tell people I was hungry and angry for about six months because you don't know how to eat. It's a huge transition. Uh, because as Eva was saying, I, the, the gluten, especially because it really helps with the consistency, the texture and the taste for different items, the chewiness, the smoothness, it's added to so many things, anything from ranch dressing to a soup mix to, uh, even I, I was eating a popcorn seasoning the other day and I was like, oh, it could be in this. <laughs> mm-hmm. I, and, um, so in order to totally eliminate it from your diet, uh, it does take, there's a big learning curve because you have to figure out everything that it could be in, all the different names it could have, and then you have to cut it all out and find different things to eat. Yeah. So, Eva, how would, where would somebody start? Uh, say they have just determined that they can't eat gluten. Where should they start in, in trying to? Because there are still a lot of great foods, but you just have to really mm-hmm. think differently. You do. Yes, yes. So really, it's looking at your own pantry. There are some basic staples that are extremely helpful. I mean, you've got your flowers. Those are, you can find those in almost all stores. Even in my small county in Millard County, I can find some gluten-free flour in my store. So buying those gluten-free flours, pancake mixes, the cereals too, looking out for gluten-free cereals. And there's always a label that GF is always going to be on your um, definite gluten-free items. You know those are safe. You can always have nuts, corn tortillas and tortilla chips. Those are generally safe gluten-free. You do need to look at those. Rice and beans, those are completely safe. Your vegetables and your fruits, those are safe as long as they're fresh and there's not something else added to them. Um, You do need to look for spices. 
that are gluten-free and knowing some of those those things to look out for, um, like natural spices, if it's got that in the label. We're just not certain if it's got any gluten in it. There could be traces of it, which could be really bad for those with celiacs or sensitivities. So just knowing those names and getting aware of them. There's lots of gluten-free pastas and sauces that are available. Um, your your poultry and your meats, those are safe as long as they don't have any added seasonings to them. You can add your own seasoning, spice it up that way. Um, but those things are great. We know that we're okay to eat those. So one of the things that's taken me by surprise is the fact that it's in like, I mean, I understand in a dressing, right? That you're, it's like a thickening agent, mm-hmm. but why a spice? <laughs> uh, that's a great question. Um, and uh, Eva, I'm sure you have a, a potential answer for this. Uh, I think too, sometimes it, just because when you, it helps potentially with freshness or again with that consistency of the food item. Uh, or it could even help make so that the, the seasoning mix doesn't cake. I mean, it's just, there's so much that goes into it. Sometimes it blows my mind. Like, why is it in this? Evo, maybe you might, do you want to uh, yes. extend on that a little bit? Oh, no, she completely expanded on all of my thoughts there, like the caking especially, and and maybe even because flour is used as a thickener too. So if I'm thinking taco seasoning, if putting taco seasoning in it, it always suggests that you put a little bit of water in with it too. Um, So maybe to get it to thicken back up as you're cooking it and getting it to blend in with the rest of your foods. But yeah, for preventing caking. So it turns out right when you're using it. Where did the gluten-free fad start? I mean, how did people start thinking, oh, this is a great idea? Oh, that is a wonderful question. I don't know. It's not something that's been like widely advertised. I think it's kind of just more of a word of mouth. People who have gone gluten-free or they thought, oh, this is different, so maybe it'll help me lose weight, but it doesn't. Um, or, or maybe they've heard from someone else, oh, these were my symptoms. These were the things I was experiencing. Maybe you're re- having a similar experience. Maybe that's what's causing the problem. So it could just have been like a word of mouth thing because it's not advertised. It's not something we see on TV or in our media. So that's kind of what I think has started it. Do people who eat gluten-free, do they feel lighter? Do they feel, I mean, is there, Cindy's like close to her eyes. <laughs> have you noticed a difference in the way you feel? I mean, now you have a better reason, a good reason to be going gluten-free and but go ahead, explain how you feel. Okay, so for me personally, I definitely feel better when I eat gluten-free, but that's because I have a disease, right? If I were to not eat gluten-free, I would be sick all the time. However, if you take somebody who doesn't have my dietary restrictions, right, and you were just to start feeding them a gluten-free diet, I don't think that they would feel better necessarily. <laughs> just because like, kind of how we've mentioned here before, The various food items, in order to make gluten-free food taste good, usually there is added fat, added sugar, uh, especially with the store-bought goods. uh, And uh, and when you eat a diet that's a little bit higher in sugar and fat, 
that usually doesn't tend to make you feel good over time. But Mm -hmm. especially if you do have dietary restrictions, though, like for someone uh, like me or Eva, where we really need to be eating gluten-free or we will get sick, of course, we feel way better. I mean, uh, I remember when I first started needing to eat gluten-free and I would come home and I from work and I would just be in bed, you know. Uh, And then after just three weeks of eating gluten-free, I was ready to go just fine. I actually found out that I had non-celiac gluten sensitivity because I was having a lot of stomach problems and severe fatigue and brain fog. I was like, what is wrong with me? There's something really wrong with me. And so I went and saw my doctor and he recommended that I eliminate some things from my diet and just try it just to help my gut heal. And then as I added foods back in, I realized it was the gluten, and I hated that because I love I love my baked goods and I love wheat. But for me, it was not doing good things to my body, and I definitely function a lot better um, if I am eating a gluten-free diet. I mean, it's so crazy. Within 30 minutes or less of eating any gluten, uh, I am so tired. I am ready for a nap, and it is so hard to get my brain to focus. So it's it's individual for everyone. Everybody's body is going to react to gluten in a different way. And so those symptoms that are exhibited are going to be different for everyone. And that's just my experience. And that's, that's what I need to do. I need to be gluten-free for me and my well-being. Mm-hmm. A gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Do you get concerned when you read some of the labels on gluten-free items? I mean, there are a bunch of things that I don't even understand what in the world they are. Um, My son went through – he had a surgery and couldn't eat gluten for a while. He's kind of transitioned back a little bit. Um, but I would read the ingredients and I was like, aren't some of these like, what are these chemicals? Are they like worse for you than the actual wheat? Okay, I'm I'm kind of laughing about this internally because I completely agree with you. I think that when you go to the store and you read, especially it seems like with some of the seasoning mixes or with items that are highly processed, there there's so much stuff in there, right? Where you're like, uh, maybe I just won't eat it anyway because there's so much of random random stuff with those big names that you can't even pronounce, right? Uh, and unfortunately, too, we don't have a really good labeling system in the United States for gluten-free items. So if it's um, – some of them will have a big GF label on the front. But unfortunately, that doesn't – there's no monitoring system that says, okay, this is for sure – gluten-free, right? We don't have a system that does that. So if a company wants to, they can go out and they can 
they can pay somebody to come in and say, okay, you are, you don't have any gluten in your facility. And then they can like say, okay, we're gluten free, right? But it's kind of gray where you could still put on your label and say, oh, okay, it's gluten free because we didn't add any gluten to it. Whereas if it's processed in a facility with other items that could contain gluten, uh, they may or may not report it, right? And, and then... So there isn't like a foolproof system that says, okay, this item is definitely gluten-free. So if it has the big GF label on the front or if it has on the back, because usually it'll have something that just says uh, underneath the ingredients contains, and then it'll have one of the major allergens, right? It says contains wheat or contains dairy, contains soy. Um, I've even seen labels, though, where that's not true. Okay, I have to ask each of you, what are your favorite go-tos then? Because, you know, like I'm of Greek heritage. Mm -hmm. And so when this first came up with my son, there's no way to make a Greek pastry, honestly. Like I tried so many different things. I would try uh, the powdered sugar balls that look like the Mexican uh, wedding cookies. Um, They were hard as a rock. Like I could not find a way to make a Greek pastry that he was ever going to be happy with. So I had to go to other things, like I went to pumpkin pie with a gluten-free crust because mm-hmm. there was just no way to make some of those items. There was no way to translate them into gluten-free. So tell me your go-tos. What do you go to? Okay. Eva may have it. I'm sure Eva has an answer for this. I'm like just bursting to talk about it, though, because <laughs> I love <laughs> I love to travel and I love to find treats when I travel that are gluten-free. Uh, so for my personal go-tos, I'll probably eat, there are a few bakeries around where I might get in a food item uh, or I love ice cream, so I'll go that way. But can I just tell you this though, because we are definitely advancing in our abilities to make really amazing gluten-free food items. I went to London last year and I had the most amazing gluten-free pastry I've ever had in my life. Like, I mean, to tell the difference, it was maybe just slightly heavier than normal pastry, but it was like pan chocolate, like just normal puff pastry, right? I was like, this is insane. It's so good. <laughs> so things are evolving and things getting are better. Evolving and getting better. I just, I'm just so thrilled to tell people about it. Like it's coming. <laughs> yes, agreed. Yeah. So I'm pretty basic. I love my cookies. So. I just find a gluten-free flour that I like. And we've actually done some testing with some different flours, not all of them that are gluten-free, but some that are around in Utah. And we tested them out. And then we also did consumer testing. So now we know which flour is going to work well for bread, which flour is going to work better for cookies, rolled cookies or drop cookies, or if you want to do a pizza crust, what do we recommend? And that's not to say that it's better than all other gluten-free blends. There are a lot out there, and you can even blend your own. But my my favorite is a chocolate chip cookie. Oh, my goodness. I am such a cookie monster. But knowing now that those those flowers are available, so many different ones, and what to look for in those flowers to make a better cookie, I, I'm definitely cooking more, baking more, because that was my favorite thing before I went gluten-free. And then as I transitioned, I got so frustrated because it wasn't the same. And as you were saying, that taste, that texture, it's so different. And sometimes you do have to accept that it's going to be mildly different, but that's okay. I can still have things that I like 
It's, I just have to accept that it's slightly different and be okay with that. I still get all my treats, though. Focus on those things that I can still have that are available to me. Okay, and can I say, too, especially where I, I loved what Eva was saying about how now that we know more about the different blends, we can make different items, and they some of them do taste exactly the same. I mean, I've gotten to the point now where I can make chocolate chip cookies and bring them to a party, and people tell me that they're the favorite cookies at the party. They will have no idea that they're gluten-free. And when people find out they're gluten-free, audible gasps in the room. (laughs) It's totally happened. And it's so thrilling to me to see how we're advancing, how we're getting so much better at, okay, if you use this flour blend for these food items, it's going to turn out amazing. But is that cookie better for you than a regular Oh, it's a cookie. So it's the same. (laughs) It's a treat. Because I think that's where we get all messed up, right? We think it's more healthy, right? It's not. Right. No, not at all. But it tastes so good. It's a treat. So would your best advice to folks who need to transition to find new treats, new ways to enjoy food? Yeah, I mean, I'd say my best advice for them would be to take your time. Uh, There is a learning curve. It's a bit of a transition. There are great resources online now. So if you find some, kind of start with your basics, right? I mean, just make sure you can eat food every day, right? Uh, Like how I said, when I first started going gluten-free, I was hungry and angry for about six months. So just make sure you're getting enough food every day so that way you're satisfied, you're happy. And then add in little things, right? So as you figure out things with, um, if you like to bake, find that, or there are There are several bakeries around now that have really great gluten-free items. Or if you find your favorite bakery or find your favorite thing, it'll come with time. So just be patient and allow yourself that learning curve and make sure you're just eating and being healthy so that way you're happy every day. So Eva, what would your best advice be? So when I was transitioning, as I mentioned, I'd get super frustrated because I found these recipes online and I'd try them and like, ah, oh, that did not turn out good. So what I started doing was talking to people that I knew were gluten-free. They were already eating that diet. And I said, hey, what do you eat? Give me some of your favorite recipes, those things that you found that work. Because, yeah, that learning curve, it can be extremely frustrating. It took me a year to fully transition to gluten-free because I struggled so much with finding things that I really like to eat and getting it to transition over to gluten-free eating. But really reaching out to those you know who are gluten-free and have experience with it is extremely helpful, and that'll give you a boost up in that transition. And then are you guys taking any extra vitamins to make up for those things that you aren't getting, Cindy? Oh, this is a fantastic question. Yes. Uh, And then our other, because there are three of us who kind of work on the gluten-free things the other day, our other uh, coworker friend who couldn't be here today, unfortunately, she uh, is a registered dietitian and she recommends always, always taking a multivitamin if you need to eat gluten-free because uh, there aren't the same additives in the foods, you know, like the vitamins and the minerals. So she says, always take a a daily vitamin that will help make sure that you're getting all of those things. So I do that and I feel way better. Yeah, always get those vitamins and to make sure that you are at your optimal health since those gluten-free flours don't contain those fortified things. All right. Anything that I haven't asked you that you'd like to add that could be helpful for those folks who need to go gluten-free? 
You've asked some really great questions, but I would just say first thing, um, find your resources, uh, whether it be through your friends, like Eva said, or online, uh, and then make that be your first step because it'll be kind of a roadmap for you. Uh, and then just be patient with the process. You'll figure it out with a little bit of time. And um, there there are great possibilities, especially nowadays where there's so much available. I was just thinking with the fiber, I would probably also recommend some sort of fiber supplement or like a little powder or something. Healthy bowel movements are, are something we all need. And if we're not getting as much fiber in our diet because there's less gluten, we need to be conscious of that additional fiber in our diet, whether that be through other foods or it be through a, a powder and supplement to, to help with that general health. And it's not a weight loss diet. No. Right. No, no not at all. <laughs> oh. Is that the biggest misconception you hear? Yes, I, I definitely, I hear that all the time where people just have no idea and they're like, oh, I think I would be healthier if I had a gluten-free diet. And You're like, no. no. <laughs> right. Or that it's a fad. Like it's not a real thing. Like you don't need to eat gluten-free. There are some people who legitimately need to eat gluten-free. It does some really bad things to their body, really hurts them, and, and it prevents absorption of the nutrients that they need in their body when they consume gluten. So it is not a fad. Also very hard to hear when people don't believe that you need to eat gluten-free. Right. <laughs> yes, yes. Thanks so much to both of you for being here today. Yeah, thank you. Well, thank you. I'm Dave Cauley investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.